0: Hey, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon a day early or wherever you get your podcast. Now, full disclosure, we are pre recording this on Tuesday. So, if something big happens, we are not to be held responsible for it. It's not on us. <laughs> exactly. Cut time exactly
1: yeah. Sorry, this is my fault. You know, I've been because it's a five week month on the magazine. I'm having a little bit of time off. So, we're recording on the Tuesday, not on our usual
0: Thursday. And if you read the mag, you know how much stuff Finn does in the mag. It is a well-deserved break, and hope that you have a great time, Finn. Thank you, your... Kenny. I'm going to go and see Mission Impossible tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. Uh, well, we are—we've got loads to talk about. We are going to talk about that Ric Flair and Lex Luger match that I watched. that Finn and I talked about last week on the Overrun and take some questions, but there are loads of pieces of news and to talk about. If if it's okay with you, do you mind if I just talk about something quickly that's been... That I, I I wanted to talk about, but I just don't think Twitter was a good place for me to do it. Please do, Kenny. Fire okay. away. So, this I mean, this might be controversial. I don't think it is. But I just want to say my piece about it. So, Rick Steiner, as we know, said those horrible things to Giselle Shaw, the trans woman wrestler at Impact, earlier this year at the WrestleCon convention, WrestleMania weekend. You remember this, right? Yes, and, he was asked and, to leave, wasn't he? He was asked to leave, and he so. In case you missed this, in case you were living under a rock, he basically chose to sort of shout these things at her, um, and be very transphobic and all this stuff to her, make her feel very uncomfortable. It was a, it was very bad, right? So now WrestleCon are doing a, a, a sort of mini WrestleCon in Detroit for SummerSlam weekend, and they've announced the Steiner brothers as. One of the acts that they are go- they are bringing in so um so, that, so so they announced they were bringing them in, obviously, as you can imagine, that did not go down well. People were not happy at uh, at, at that happening so Russell well, Con-
1: well, Kenny, Kenny, can I just chime in there, and part of the reason for that was because after the incident they were they came down really hard on Rick Steiner, and rightly so, and people were like, "Wow, you know they're, this is zero tolerance." You know these not putting up with this. This is they're not having any of this. He's gone, you know, and like they're already doing a U turn. I mean, that's just like what?
0: Yeah. So he, here's what they. Say. I'm just going to read their comments because I do have a thought about it. That I just think it's worth putting out there. So they said uh, Michael who Michael uh, Butricino. I can't pronounce his last name. Michael who owns WrestleCon. Said this. I'm going to address the Rick Steiner issue here instead of responding to every post. Um, Rick made completely inappropriate remarks to Giselle Shaw at an event in Los Angeles. As soon as we were made aware of what happened, we swiftly addressed the issues, but we never shared details of what happened uh, at the event. In hindsight, this was a mistake. Um, I take full responsibility. My wife had died three weeks after the LA show after a long battle with cancer. Mistakes were made. At no time do we condone the remarks Rick made in LA. Uh, we did not fail to act after we were notified uh, we removed him from the convention for the rest of the event rick's poor decision forever impacted his brand relationships within the community and uh, one of the positive things rick did and it was pu- not publicized is immediately apologize he apologized to members of the wrestlecon staff fellow wrestlers and offered apologies to members of the Impact Wrestling staff that chose to hear from him at a private mediated event. Giselle chose not to attend Rick's apology, which we understood and still support to this day. She has no obligation to hear anything from Rick, nor should she ever feel obligated to accept an apology. Now we're three months beyond this event. I feel that Rick has learned a lot from this huge mistake. I know it's easier to cancel people when they make mistakes than to forgive and help educate, but sometimes I think it's important we give people a second chance, but Rick will forever be on a zero tolerance scale moving forward, at any of our events. So that's what he said, right? So I'm gay, right? So I'm 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 fully aware of what it's what I I can tell for homophobia from somebody when 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 it's heard. Oftentimes it's very subtle when you see it. It's not, you know, really out there. You know, some people can just make a sly comment and you know what that means. So you can't police how people feel. You can't police if people are homophobic, if they're racist, if they're transphobic. You just can't police that, ever. Like you, it, people are going to feel how they feel internally. But that's yeah. not what happened with Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner did not just... Inter- because I've met people before who do not like gay people, and I can't police how that person feels. I can choose whether I want to be around them or not, but I can't police how they feel. But more often than not, when that happens, that person is not screaming in my face about how much they hate gay people. They might make a sly comment, and I just know, uh, this is not for me. What he did was not have a transphobic viewpoint that he has in his own personal life. He screamed at a transgender person at at an event, knowing that he is someone who, there are multiple stories of abuse that he has given to people backstage years ago. And he did that in this environment. And then he never publicly apologised, which by the way is the first thing he should have done. And now he's being brought back and people seem to think it's okay, but it's like if he's someone who's going to scream like that at an event to somebody who is, you know, the power dynamic is very different. Giselle Shaw is not a big enough name or somebody who would get in a fight with him. You know, she was she was kind of ambushed by him at that event. To me, he should be not at that at, at that convention for a couple of years. And then once he's, you know, public... I mean, look at Mark Brif- uh, not Mark, Jay Briscoe. Yeah, Jay Briscoe publicly apologised for years and years and years um, Rick, Rick Steiner has not made any public comment, he has not said one thing so to me, I just think it's it's one thing to have views that you internally have that you just don't talk about, it's another to scream in someone's face who didn't do anything to you or even come near you or try to force their lifestyle in inverted commas that's not my words, but like th- she wasn't trying to be in his face about anything. He chose to target her out, 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 of, out of, you know, no nothing that she did wrong. So I just think you know you can make that big statement, but stand with Giselle Shaw and just give the guy a couple of years ban. And if he publicly atones for it, the way Jay Briscoe did for years and years and years, then bring him back. But to me, it's just a it's quite a disappointing outcome.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, in the in the modern age of uh, social media, I imagine that they've been lambasted for this decision, and I'm really surprised that they've made it this soon. Um, I, it would not surprise me if they have a change of heart and and if Rick is suddenly uninvited from this event. Uh, but I mean, that's their decision. That's that's for them to decide whether or not to do that. But I just, I just think, yeah, I just think, yeah, it's far too soon to bring him back after after the way in which he dealt with it at the time, which seemed really firm, you know, and he was sending a direct message that this kind of behavior is totally unacceptable. We will not tolerate this. And then just a few months later, you know, four months later, he's going to be a, an event. Seems like an own goal to me, Kenny, and the modern era of, you know, PR and everything. And it just feels to me like, instead of people aren't going to be necessarily talking about the um, the convention they're going to be talking about this decision, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and then he what I, I know they put the price list out and the Steiners weren't on it, and he clarified that they left him off of it so that the only people who would need to know about the pricing list are the people who want to meet the Steiners, which just which is yeah the whole thing's bizarre. And also, are you really getting enough Rick Steiner meet and greets to justify it? You know, it's not like it's Hulk Hogan here
1: where... I find it really odd just in this modern world because people are just going to be like knocking them for this decision and it just you've just brought this on yourself. And yeah, to me, they needed to leave it until probably 2025 and um, by then you could probably have gotten away with it. But certainly
0: not in August. Let's move on to something a bit more light-hearted. Your pal and mine, Finn, Vince Russo, is in the news because he did an interview <laughs> with uh, Chris Van Vliet. I think Chris Van Vliet allowed him to spew whatever he wanted to spew, which is why it went on for as long as it did. But um, <laughs> Russo has, uh, has has given some news that I don't think a lot of people were aware of. So I wanted to read you what he says and just get your thoughts. Um, he says... Basically intimates that he had a conversation with Vince McMahon last year about returning to the company in some form. Here's what he said. I had a conversation with Vince McMahon. Not a conversation. I don't ever want it to. Se- well, it was a text exchange. Text and an email literally months before uh, the scandal. And I offered my consulting services because I would never go back on back to wrestling on a full-time basis. Never go out on the road. Never be with those politicians. Never. Uh, 2022. So I offer my consultant services. I will sit here. I will look at your show. I will tell you why people aren't watching it. If perhaps you want me to work in a particular character, I'll be happy to do that. I'm not coming to TV. I've got no interest in making this my job. Right. So Vince wrote back and said, OK, I want you to watch the next couple of weeks raw shows and send me your notes. I said, OK, what are you paying me for that? And he said, oh, no, I'm not paying you for nothing. You know, you have to prove yourself. And I'm like. Achieving the highest ratings in the history of your company wasn't me proving myself. Vince, you know things have changed. The audience have changed. And I just said, Vince, with all due respect, I don't work for free, bro. I'm in my 60s. I'm doing well on my own. I don't have anything to prove to you because you know what I did. So I'm not doing this for free. Uh, He sent me back the scathing email. How dare you? I would have jumped to the opportunity. And I didn't even answer it because I'm like, that's ego like that. That's ego. And I'm not, I'm not going to work for free in hopes of you taking me on as a consultant when your product absolutely sucks. I was doing it because I hate having to watch the product. <laughs> so if I could help improve the product, great. I wanted to do it on my terms, oh. but I'm not interested in working full time. And I could have helped you. I mean, Finn- I
1: mean, I mean, WWE, it's basically just, it's pretty much doomed. Probably going to be out of business next week. Because they haven't rehired Vince Russo. I mean, it's just what I mean, I don't know whether that's true or that's not true. But I just cannot believe that Vince McMahon would sit there and write an email to Vince Russo, you know, and like get really mad about it. And especially an email which could then be posted online. I mean, I mean, I <laughs> mean, it's like this is what Vince sent me sent me, and it'd just be retweeted endlessly, wouldn't it? It'd follow him around for decades. You know, he's having this, like, you know, neurotic teenager moment where he's just, like, the dumbest spitting his dummy out because Vince Russo is wanting pain, you know what I mean? And it sounds odd as well that Vince would ask him to do it for nothing,
0: doesn't it? It's very... I mean, the, the thing that I also find really funny about it is that... I mean, I I could see Vince in 2022 going, you know, for a laugh, should we just get Russo's notes? Yes. You know, like, let's have a morning tea, laugh to ourselves and and hear what Russo would do to people. I could see him doing that. I could see him going, yes, you want to do some notes for free? Fire in. But what I love about it is, you know, because the whole narrative he has is that, you know, I just want to help, right? So, So he's basically, you know, begging to help. And he begs to help all the time. He begs to help. I mean, if if, if your interview with him had went longer, I'm sure he would have got that beg into that interview as well. He doesn't oh, yeah, every time. Sure. But it's like and then he's going, like, I'm doing well on my own. Are you? Like He's you make, know, Kenny's making six figures. Six figures. Do you know if he is, he should be doing seminars. Because how that guy sits in his in his in his room with all his collectibles, talking about how Raw's rubbish every week. Um I think he can there's no chance. I don't but, know. But um yeah, I, it just it popped up and I thought it's it's such a funny story to me. Um but
1: I mean I would I mean if Vince say Vince was, I can imagine Vince saying, right, okay, uh Russo, send us your notes. You know, but I would think that he would say we'll send you we'll pay you a grand a week or two thousand, whatever. Yeah. We'll pay you a nominal fee. I mean now, that's a lot of money by everyone else's standards. That's not a lot of money by WWE standards. And I would think that they would want to pay him for that. I would think they would. They would just pay him something, I would have thought. And um, But as far as Vince sending him a scathing email, I mean, okay, then, Russo, show us the email. Share that with us to prove your story. You know, if Because that's what you would do, isn't it? You would support your story with this evidence. This is what Vince McMahon emailed me. You would,
0: wouldn't you? You yeah. just would. But, you know, he's decided He's decided to be... Show some discretion, Finn. Vince Russell's not someone to kiss and tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> just such a twat. Um, I mean, just ridiculous.
1: I mean... <laughs> I just, I mean, I just don't even know what to say about that guy anymore. (laughs) That ridiculous interview or argument we had back in February. I mean, you know, I'm in his 50s, he's in his 60s, and we were behaving like, you know, I just used the phrase there, neurotic teenagers. That's exactly. It was like his ridiculous school playground level argument, wasn't it? That. <laughs> it's, it's you were the neurotic teenagers.
0: <laughs> it's ironically, you know. He, so he said. So he says he spoke to Vince in 2022. Then he spoke to you early 2023 when he was saying all this stuff. And now I think SmackDown is on. Co- I think SmackDown last, uh, not not this past Friday, the one before, was second the second most viewed show. On all of broadcast television, yeah, which has never happened before, and they're on course to probably be first in the next month or so. Yeah, I mean, I mean
1: like last Friday's episode, which was you know was good, entertaining episode, but wasn't blockbuster, and that did t- two point three or nine million viewers. So I mean, that did a really good number, you know, just for a regular episode.
0: Because you can't, I mean, you can't, you know, I, I don't want to open up the, the the box of his his flawed points, but I mean. You can't compare 1999 ratings to 2023. Well, you can if you're Vince Russo. You know, there's no, there's no, I mean, you know, most people that you talk to will have, say, three, minimum of three versions of streaming things, right? Like, say they have, you know, Sky or they have Now TV, they get Netflix, say they get Amazon Prime, or, you know, and, that, and people, people probably got more than that. You know, I don't really it's know. There's
1: like Disney Plus and there's just lots of people. Like if you speak to people um, who've got kids who are teenagers, a lot of kids, like a friend of mine, his kids, I think, are four, uh, 15 and 16.
0: Mm-hmm. And he
1: reckons they don't even watch TV. They just watch things on YouTube and that's it. Or on TikTok or just all internet-based, but they do not watch television. And I think that's quite normal for teenagers to watch it. watch it, either not watch it
0: or watch it very, very infrequently. Yeah, and even and then even if you took look at people uh, older, you know, like there's not there's not that many people. I mean, there's not that many people who watch TV in the, in the regular sense anymore. You know, they don't they don't have a you know a Sky box where they just watch you know BBC One or or whatever. A lot of people just they have iPlayer, they watch things on Catch Up, or they you know they they just watch streaming. Things. So. Yes. yes, but I mean, anyway, let's move on to the next thing. Um, Nick Aldous is in the news. He's had that short run with Impact Wrestling that he finished up after this pa- weekend, this past weekend's Slammiversary. Um, yes. He is now, uh, apparently, um, there's some interest in WWE. PWN said it reported that WWE has interest in bringing in Nick Aldous as a producer rather than a wrestler. Uh, he's 36. Uh, what do you make of this? If, if that's true, And if WWE want to bring bring him in as a producer, is it a good move to get in the door and sort of be in the door rather than, you know, looking inside? What do you think?
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I mean, if I was him, for sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't feel like AEW has got any interest in him, in him. I mean, they've had plenty of opportunities to hire him over the last, well, really, ever since the original All Out show, haven't
0: they? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I think, yeah, they, they've. I think because there was a there was a little while but I, I think there was some interest, and then he was still with the NWA and he was under a contract, so he couldn't just walk out. But
1: but, I, but I'm sure if they wanted to use him, they could have reached an agreement. I yeah. mean, some money could have changed hands, and I'm sure it would have been possible if they were hell-bent on hiring him.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, for me, yes. I mean, he's never worked for WWE. I mean, he might have received a trial at one point, but I don't think he's never been under contract there. Um, and if they're offering him a job, absolutely. If I was him, I'd take it, because this can lead to lots of different things. And you impress the right people. Uh, he's still young enough to have a run in the ring. I mean, as you say, he's only 36. Um, you know, this could be really good for him. So, if I was him, I would urge him to accept the offer.
0: Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer for him because you know he's kind of he's, he's been everywhere else. I I think now with, even with AEW, it's like I don't I don't think AEW would would use him that well. I think that the company's too big. I think he would have been really good for AEW near the beginning. Yeah, and he could he could have you know went down that old school route that Cody would do as well. And but I think now it's a very I don't know where his niche would be in AEW. You know, it's I, I I think this is probably the best chance for him. Like you say, if he impresses the right people, it can lead to different things. So
1: Yeah, definitely. And the thing is he's he's pretty savvy when it comes to media interviews and knows how to talk. You know, he looks really good. I mean he's done stuff over. It. I mean, he used to present, was it Will? was it Britain's strongest man? I think he used to present that, didn't he? Yes, some, yes. Yeah. So he's done TV other than pro wrestling. So I think there'll be opportunities for him. In um, you know other media, you know through WWE, um, and certainly when they're coming over here again next to do a tour or to promote a show, I think he's somebody that they would put out there because he knows how to talk to people and because he's English. You know, it's an it's it's you immediately got that connection if you if you're an English wrestler and you've been interviewed by English or British presenters. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. He should um, he should bite the hands off, Kenny. He should take that gig. I would take it for sure if I was him. Uh,
0: let's move on. There was a story yesterday from Fightful that apparently before Bray Wyatt got injured, there was uh, a new Wyatt family reportedly in the works. And uh, it would have saw Eric Young playing a significant role. Uh, Bo Dallas obviously is... Uh, Uncle Howdy, and um, there were even seeds back uh, before the pandemic for Mike Bennett to play uh, a, li- a live action version of Sister Abigail. Uh, so my question was going to be, you know, we've we've harped on about... I mean, how...
1: Mike Bennett! I mean, <laughs> bloody hell.
0: But, you know, we've, we've talked ab about how Bray Wyatt, you know, we, we, we could happily just not see him again. But do yeah. you think if a Wyatt family, alive, <laughs> a live Wyatt family had been added... Would that have made things even worse? Or would that have saved the day for Big Bray? I
1: think it probably would have made things worse. I mean, I don't see how Mike Bennett was going to make it in WWE in any role. I mean, he hasn't made it in AEW. Um, He went back to Impact, I think it was last year, and he just seemed, you know, kind of blended into the background there. So, I mean, Mike Bennett was never going to make it in WWE. Um, I mean, Eric Young, I mean, what a strange story. So he left Impact after being literally, obviously this was within the Mm storyline, but he was literally murdered in the storyline by Dina. Literally killed in the storyline. So his plans were to return to WWE. Apparently he signs the deal there, but then didn't appear on TV. And now we're hearing that Eric Young left WWE because Vince returned. I mean, how weird is that? And then over the weekend, he returned to w- He returned to Impact Wrestling at Slammiversary, literally back from the dead. <laughs> so now he's back in Impact. I mean, lots of things can be explained, but not being quite literally murdered, unless you are a supernatural figure like The Undertaker. Yeah, You know, we never really got an explanation for the Royal Rumble 94 thing, let's be honest. But it was The Undertaker, so we could kind of forgive it, couldn't we? Yeah.
0: Yes, we could. I mean, it's. I mean, but also the, the weird thing with the Eric young situation is, if you if you sign with WWE, if you have a brain, you know that there's a high probability Vince will be back in some way. Like, if you if you're a wrestler, you know that. I mean, he's worked there before as well. He's he's yeah. WWE. Like, he's he's not an idiot. So, well, I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he is an idiot. I mean, I admired his moral compass. You know, it's a a moral compass that I think most people do not have because people have found a way to... You know, I'm sure there's a lot of WWE wrestlers who personally would rather, you know, do, do not want to work for Vince McMahon after the things that they found out about him. But they're wrestlers and, you know, I'm sure they can sort of separate it and go, well, you know, I work for a company that does do a lot of good things, a lot of good charity and, you know make her stuff that we do and we make a lot of people yeah. happy and you can well, kind of we
1: have, we have our own ways of rationalizing things yeah, don't you can rationalize it you
0: know we... but i guess Eric young couldn't so well,
1: i mean i don't get it i mean even when vince retired last july i mean he was obviously still the majority shareholder i mean anyone would know that he was going to still be having conversations with people there i mean he was going to be wasn't he he was going to be involved in a, on a deep background level, yeah. I mean, he was just going to be. He wasn't n- never going to talk to his son-in-law about what was going on. So Eric Young should have been able to work that one out. He's you know he's what is he forty three or something like that. He's been around been around wrestling for over twenty years. So he should have been able to work that one out. So I just don't understand it. I don't I understand why he bear. would return there and then leave because Vince was back. I think there's more to the story than than he's letting on. That's my opinion, Kenny. There's more to it than meets the eye. No. So then he returns to Impact Wrestling, back from the dead at Slam Anniversary. Just very odd, very very strange.
0: I was going to ask you because obviously I didn't watch a lot of TNA back in the day, so uh, some of it I've I've kind of either just read in Power Slam or I've I've heard secondhand. But there was the angle years ago where Samoa Joe was kidnapped, right, and 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 taken to the Was he not? Was was there? Am I making this up? That Samoa Joe was kidnapped at one point.
1: Yeah, he he was in a car park. Yeah,
0: right. And and, and, because what was the? Because was there not something like he was kidnapped and it was like a really like you know, shot really seriously and he was like taken away, but then he just like turned up again a wee bit later and it wasn't really mentioned.
1: Yeah, I think that's how it played out. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. He had this really crap fight in the car park with these guys, (laughs) and then I think was thrown in the back of a van and drove off I could be wrong about that he was really? you know when you go through those periods in life whether it's you know with a wrestling company or a band or you know whatever whatever it is that you're interested in uh-huh. and you realize that that organization or body or entity is is falling to pieces right and is beyond repair yeah and then you emotionally cut the cord and you just don't really care after that the Samoa Joe thing was probably around about the time when I realized that Impact was, or TNA as it was at the time, was was basically scuppered. And, um, you know, Joe just he had a really weird run. He came in in 2005 to TNA, was tremendous, just incredible. You know, he had that amazing matches with Kurt Angle later that year and into 2006. And then he didn't win the belt until 2008. He won it a lockdown that year from Kurt Angle. They had a hell of a cage match. And it was like he'd waited like nearly three years to become TNA champ. And his reign was a massive flop. Absolute bomb. And he just didn't deliver at all. And lots of Samoa Joe's friends in the media, the pro wrestling media. Oh, it's all TNA's fault. No, it wasn't all TNA's fault. Lots of it was Joe's fault because he did not deliver as champion. And he never became champion again there. He never became world champion, that is. yeah. And, um, you know, he did lots of different things over the next few years. And some of them were just atrocious. You know, and part of that was down to poor creative. But he really let himself go. You could tell that he just didn't care anymore. And in some ways, I can understand why. But he's, he's, he just was all over the place with Samoa Joe and TNA for years. And um, but he still had a bit of a connection there with the audience because people remembered how good he'd been and they wanted him to be like that again and he never really was, (laughs) you know. So he never really was. But that was a really weird angle when he got kidnapped and yeah, then resurfaced. I don't think there was ever an an explanation for that. But by that point, Kenny, we didn't really expect explanations. It was T&A. Yeah,
0: you'd you'd come to terms with that. Well, listen, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was just something that that kind of made me chuckle. Um, It was Rob Van Damme he was on twitter and somebody had said uh, it was from july 14th of, of this year wasn't somebody, this
1: the one where they're asking him if he wanted to become a trainer or a producer no but it, it, what, what did he say about that well <laughs> I, I i thought there was a story about about him saying no, i don't want to become a trainer or a producer it's just not for me i didn't read why he said that but i thought that's what you were going to bring up
0: so it must be around the same time was just replying to stuff, but somebody had tweeted at this photo of him from Money in the Bank 2013. It's him doing a kick to Daniel Bryan. And it said 10 years ago today, July 14th, 2013, it was Money in the Bank, pay- the Money in the Bank pay per view, that Rob Van Dam made his WWE return. This was his first WWE pay per view since Royal Rumble 2009, and his comeback run lasted a little over a year until August 2014. And RVD responded saying, actually, I did a fantastic 90-day run in 2013 and then another five-month run in 2014, which sucked monkey balls, was his description of the 2014 run. I mean, I had forgotten before he sort of was talking about this. I, I remember he came back and they announced he was going to be in that Money in the Bank ladder match.
1: Yeah, they made a big production out of that, didn't they?
0: Yes, and he did have a really good run. That wasn't very long. He was just there. He did a couple of TVs after the, the money in the bank match. But he didn't really do anything else. He uh I think he stuck around till uh night of champions or something. Um but then he returned again after WrestleMania 30 and he just kind of did nothing. Like he was just kind of in the in the lower mid card. Um he never really got any big wins over anybody. Um and but I mean I don't remember the the run because he when he said the run sucked monkey balls the 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 part of his run that I remember being bad was when he got Ricardo Rodriguez to become his personal ring announcer to face Del Rio but that appears <laughs> to be in the run that RVD thought was fantastic the ninety day one so but I mean do you have fond memories of RVD's return in 2013 2014 or do you think that he is spot on by saying not very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he's spot on. I mean, I mean the return of Money in the Bank, I remember that. And that was pretty good because, as I said, the WWE did really try and make him appear to be a somebody. And this was coming off that dismal TNA run. You know, he okay. came in in 2010 and it was just, they didn't know what to do with him. I mean, TNA was just a shambles at the time. This was the Hogan and Bischoff era with Vince Russo in support. Um, you know, Dixie just starstruck by her wrestling heroes. Yes, just do what you want. And um, so, I mean, Rob Van Damme yeah, came in during that period. And I can only assume the money was really good. And that was why he went there. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've, I interviewed Rob Van Damme, I think, first time in 97. And spoke to him a few times at great length. And he always came across to me as a smart guy. And um he was somebody that knew who he was, knew what he could bring to wrestling and wasn't massively protective of his image because he'd go along with what was suggested to him. But he was somebody who knew when it was time to go, you know, when it wasn't working anymore, it was time for him to just withdraw from whatever company he was working for, you know, and then just, do some indie dates or convention appearances and make some money on the side and then pick and choose his next role. So I was really quite surprised that he went to TNA in 2010 because it was already established as an utter shambles, total calamity, before he even went there. Mm -hmm. And I think on his very first night, I think think he might have done an angle with Sting. And I think Sting might have beaten him up or something like that. But very quickly into his TNA run, it was clear that, there was going to be problems like almost immediately because TNA didn't really know what it was doing at that point in time because of all the forces who were, didn't really have a vision for what the company was going to be. Well, they did. Let's take, let's go back tonight. Let's relive 1996. You know, with guys who were <laughs> 18 years older and really lazy and not interested anymore. And um, so Yeah, I mean, I remember when he returned, I understood why he returned in 2013 to WWE. And I think that was a good move for him because it wiped away, you know, a lot of those bad memories of the TNA period. And uh, he seemed like a star again. But I just felt like WWE saw him as a nostalgia act, which it essentially was. He was like, what would he have been? I think he's about a year younger than me, Rob Van Dam. So he would have been about 42 or 43 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah, he didn't. I knew it wasn't really going to be. It wasn't going to be champ. You know what I mean. He wasn't going to be a top guy. Yeah. But I thought he could have done some good things. And it wasn't really that memorable, was it, Kenny?
0: No, I think the first ninety days was 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 good enough. But then, as that second round when he came back and he was just kind of really established as a mid card kind of nobody, that that was the downfall. But um, yeah, anyway, we uh, that is all the time we've got for today. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed. Uh, our, our chat you can get more of us on patreon as always and um, then have a great time on your time off much deserved oh thank you kenny and uh, what have you got planned this week um i'm gonna catch up with some friends on friday and then I'm, we're gonna have some people around for barbecue on saturday so let's hope keep some fingers crossed for me that the weather stays okay on saturday
1: yes i hope so yeah barbies uh, mind you sometimes you know i'm not really a big fan of barbecues you know, cause often the food's not done properly, and that causes all sorts of problems. Um, and just easier to put it in the oven. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, always have the oven ready as a backup. So, uh, but yes, and we hope that you all enjoy whatever you're getting up to this weekend as well. So, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: If I